Chapter 2, Part 1 of The Legends of the Jews, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leon Meyer. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 1, by Rabbi Lewis Ginsburg. Chapter 2, Adam. Man and the World With ten sayings, God created the world, although a single saying would have sufficed. God desired to make known how severe the punishment to be meted out to the wicked, who destroy a world created with as many as ten sayings, and how goodly the reward destined for the righteous, who preserve a world created with as many as ten sayings. The world was made for man, though he was the last comer among its creatures. This was design. He was to find all things ready for him. God was the host who prepared dainty dishes, set the table, and then led his guests to his seat. At the same time, man's late appearance on earth is to convey an admonition to humility. Let him beware of being proud, lest he invite the retort that the gnat is older than he. The superiority of man to the other creatures is apparent in the very manner of his creation, although different from theirs. He is the only one who was created by the hand of God. The rest sprang from the word of God. The body of man is a microcosm, the whole world in miniature, and the world in turn is a reflex of man. The hair upon his head corresponds to the woods of the earth, his tears to a river, his mouth to the ocean. Also the world resembles the ball of his eye. The ocean that encircles the earth is like unto the white of the eye. The dry land is the iris, Jerusalem the pupil, and the temple the image mirrored in the pupil of the eye. But man is more than a mere image of this world. He unites both heavenly and earthly qualities within himself. In four he resembles the angels, in four the beasts. His power of speech, his discriminating intellect, his upright walk, the glance of his eye, they all make an angel of him. But, on the other hand, he eats and drinks, secretes the waste matter in his body, propagates his kind, and dies, like the beast of the field. Therefore, God said before the creation of man, The celestials are not propagated, but they are immortal. The beings on earth are propagated, but they die. I will create man to be the union of the two, so that when he sins, when he behaves like a beast, death shall overtake him. But if he refrains from sin, he shall live for ever. God now bade all beings in heaven and on earth contribute to the creation of man, and he himself took part in it. Thus they will all love man, and if he should sin, they will be interested in his preservation. The whole world naturally was created for the pious, the God-fearing man, whom Israel produces with the helpful guidance of the law of God revealed to him. It was, therefore, Israel who was taken into special consideration at the time man was made. All other creatures were instructed to change their nature, if Israel should ever need their help in the course of his history. The sea was ordered to divide before Moses, 
and the heavens to give ear to the words of the leader. The sun and moon were bidden to stand still before Joshua, the ravens to feed Elijah, the fire to spare the three youths in the furnace, and the lion to do no harm to Daniel, the fish to spew forth Jonah, and the heavens to open before Ezekiel. In his modesty, God took counsel with the angels, before the creation of the world, regarding his intention of making man. He said, For the sake of Israel I will create the world. As I shall make a division between light and darkness, so I will, in time to come, do for Israel and Egypt. Thick darkness shall be over the land, and the children of Israel shall have light in their dwellings. As I shall make a separation between the waters under the firmament and the waters above the firmament, so I will do for Israel. I will divide the waters for him when he crosses the Red Sea. As on the third day I shall create plants, so I will do for Israel. I will bring forth manna for him in the wilderness. As I shall create luminaries to divide day from night, so I will do for Israel. I will go before him by day in a pillar of cloud, and by night in a pillar of fire. As I shall create the fowl of the air and the fishes of the sea, so I will do for Israel. I will bring quails for him from the sea. And as I shall breathe the breath of life into the nostrils of man, so I will do for Israel. I will give the Torah unto him, the tree of life. The angels marveled that so much love should be lavished upon this people of Israel. And God told them, On the first day of creation, I shall make the heavens and stretch them out. So will Israel raise up the tabernacle as the dwelling place of my glory. On the second day, I shall put a division between the terrestrial waters and the heavenly waters. So will he hang up a veil in the tabernacle to divide the holy place and the most holy. On the third day, I shall make the earth put forth grass and herb. So will he, in obedience to my commands, eat herbs on the first night of the Passover, and prepare showbread for me. On the fourth day, I shall make the luminaries. So will he make a golden candlestick for me. On the fifth day, I shall create the birds. So will he fashion the cherubim with outstretched wings. On the sixth day, I shall create man. So will Israel set aside a man of the sons of Aaron as high priest for my service. Accordingly, the whole of creation was conditional. God said to the things he made on the first six days, If Israel accepts the Torah, you will continue and endure. Otherwise, I shall turn everything back into chaos again. The whole world was thus kept in suspense and dread until the day of the revelation on Sinai, when Israel received and accepted the Torah, and so fulfilled the condition made by God at the time when he created the universe. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 1, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg The Angels and the Creation of Man God, in his wisdom, having resolved to create man, he asked counsel of all around him before he proceeded to execute his purpose. An example to man, be he never so great and distinguished, not to scorn the advice of the humble and lonely. First God called upon heaven and earth, then upon all other things he had created, and last upon the angels. 
the angels were not all of one opinion. The angel of love favored the creation of man, because he would be affectionate and loving. But the angel of truth opposed it, because he would be full of lies. And while the angel of justice favored it, because he would practice justice, the angel of peace opposed it, because he would be quarrelsome. To invalidate his protest, God cast the angel of truth down from heaven to earth, and when the others cried out against such contemptuous treatment of their companion, he said, Truth will spring back out of the earth. The objections of the angels would have been much stronger had they known the whole truth about man. God had told them only about the pious, and had concealed from them that there would be reprobates among mankind too. And yet, though they knew but half the truth, the angels were nevertheless prompted to cry out, What is man, that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man, that thou visitest him? God replied, The fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, what were they created for? Of what avail a larder full of appetizing dainties, and no guests to enjoy them? And the angels could not but exclaim, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth! Do as is pleasing in thy sight. For not a few of the angels, their opposition bore fatal consequences. When God summoned the band under the archangel Michael, and asked their opinion on the creation of man, they answered scornfully, What is man, that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man, that thou visitest him? God thereupon stretched forth his little finger, and all were consumed by fire except their chief Michael. And the same fate befell the band under the leadership of the archangel Gabriel. He alone of all was saved from destruction. The third band consulted was commanded by the archangel Labiel. Taught by the horrible fate of his predecessors, he warned his troop, You have seen what misfortune overtook the angels who said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Let us have a care not to do likewise, lest we suffer the same dire punishment. For God will not refrain from doing in the end what he has planned. Therefore it is advisable for us to yield to his wishes. Thus warned, the angels spoke, Lord of the world, it is well that thou hast thought of creating man. Do thou create him according to thy will. And as for us, we will be his attendants and his ministers, and reveal unto him all our secrets. Thereupon God changed Labiel's name to Raphael, the Rescuer, because his host of angels had been rescued by his sage advice. He was appointed the Angel of Healing, who has in his safekeeping all the celestial remedies, the types of the medical remedies used on earth. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 1, by Rabbi Lewis Ginsburg The Creation of Adam When at last the assent of the angels to the creation of man was given, God said to Gabriel, Go and fetch me dust from the four corners of the earth, and I will create man therewith. Gabriel went forth to do the bidding of the Lord, but the earth drove him away, and refused to let him gather up dust from it. Gabriel remonstrated, Why, O earth, dost thou not hearken unto the voice of the Lord, who founded thee upon the waters without props or pillars? The earth replied, and said, I am destined to become a curse, and to be cursed through man, 
and if God himself does not take the dust from me, no one else shall ever do it. When God heard this, he stretched out his hand, took of the dust of the ground, and created the first man therewith. Of set purpose, the dust was taken from all four corners of the earth, so that if a man from the east should happen to die in the west, or a man from the west in the east, the earth should not dare refuse to receive the dead, and tell him to go whence he was taken. When a man chances to die, and wheresoever he is buried, there he will return to the earth from which he sprang. Also the dust was of various colors, red, black, white, and green, red for the blood, black for the bowels, white for the bones and veins, and green for the pale skin. At this early moment the Torah interfered. She addressed herself to God. O Lord of the world, the world is thine, thou canst do with it as seemeth good in thine eyes. But the man thou art now creating will be few of days and full of trouble and sin. If it be not thy purpose to have forbearance and patience with him, it were better not to call him into being. God replied, Is it for naught I am called long-suffering and merciful? The grace and loving-kindness of God revealed themselves particularly in his taking one spoonful of dust from the spot where, in time to come, the altar would stand, saying, I shall take man from the place of atonement, that he may endure. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 1, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg The Soul of Man the care which God exercised in fashioning every detail of the body of man is as naught in comparison with his solicitude for the human soul. The soul of man was created on the first day, for it is the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the waters. Thus, instead of being the last, man is really the first work of creation. This spirit, or to call it by its usual name, the soul of man, possesses five different powers. By means of one of them, she escapes from the body every night, rises up to heaven, and fetches new life thence for man. With the soul of Adam, the souls of all the generations of men were created. They are stored up in a promptuary, in the seventh of the heavens, whence they are drawn as they are needed for human body after human body. The soul and body of man are united in this way. When a woman has conceived, the angel of the night, Layla, carries the sperm before God, and God decrees what manner of human being shall become of it, whether it shall be male or female, strong or weak, rich or poor, beautiful or ugly, long or short, fat or thin, and what all its other qualities shall be. Piety and wickedness alone are left to the determination of man himself. Then God makes a sign to the angel appointed over the souls, saying, Bring me the soul so-and-so, which is hidden in paradise, whose name is so-and-so, and whose form is so-and-so. The angel brings the designated soul, and she bows down when she appears in the presence of God, and prostrates herself before him. At that moment, God issues the command, Enter this sperm. The soul opens her mouth, and pleads, O Lord of the world, I am well pleased with the world in which I have been living since the day on which thou didst call me into being. 
why dost thou now desire to have me enter this impure sperm, I who am holy and pure, and a part of thy glory? God consoles her. The world which I shall cause thee to enter is better than the world in which thou hast lived hitherto, and when I created thee, it was only for this purpose. The soul is then forced to enter the sperm against her will, and the angel carries her back to the womb of the mother. Two angels are detailed to watch that she shall not leave it, nor drop out of it, and a light is set above her, whereby the soul can see from one end of the world to the other. In the morning an angel carries her to paradise, and shows her the righteous, who sit there in their glory, with crowns upon their heads. The angel then says to the soul, Dost thou know who these are? She replies in the negative, and the angel goes on. These whom thou beholdest here were formed, like unto thee, in the womb of their mother. When they came into the world, they observed God's Torah and his commandments. Therefore they became the partakers of this bliss which thou seest them enjoy. Know also thou wilt one day depart from the world below, and if thou wilt observe God's Torah, then wilt thou be found worthy of sitting with these pious ones. But if not, thou wilt be doomed to the other place. In the evening, the angel takes the soul to hell, and there points out the sinners whom the angels of destruction are smiting with fiery scourges, the sinners all the while crying out, Woe, woe, but no mercy is shown unto them. The angel then questions the soul as before. Dost thou know who these are? And as before, the reply is negative. The angel continues, These who were consumed with fire were created like unto thee. When they were put into the world, they did not observe God's Torah and his commandments. Therefore have they come to this disgrace which thou seest them suffer. Know thy destiny is also to depart from the world. Be just, therefore, and not wicked, that thou mayest gain the future world. Between morning and evening, the angel carries the soul around, and shows her where she will live and where she will die, and the place where she will be buried. And he takes her through the whole world, and points out the just and the sinners and all things. In the evening, he replaces her in the womb of the mother, and there she remains for nine months. When the time arrives for her to emerge from the womb into the open world, the same angel addresses the soul. The time has come for thee to go abroad into the open world. The soul demurs. Why dost thou want to make me go forth into the open world? The angel replies, Know that, as thou wert formed against thy will, so now thou wilt be born against thy will, and against thy will thou shalt die, and against thy will thou shalt give account of thyself before the King of kings, the Holy One, blessed be he. But the soul is reluctant to leave her place. Then the angel fillips the baby on the nose, extinguishes the light at his head, and brings him forth into the world against his will. Immediately the child forgets all his soul has seen and learnt, and he comes into the world crying, for he loses a place of shelter, and security, and rest. When the time arrives for man to quit this world, the same angel appears and asks him, Dost thou recognize me? And man replies, Yes, but why dost thou come to me today? 
and thou didst come on no other day. The angel says, To take thee away from the world, for the time of thy departure has arrived. Then man falls to weeping, and his voice penetrates to all ends of the world, yet no creature hears his voice, except the cock alone. Man remonstrates with the angel, From two worlds thou didst take me, and into this world thou didst bring me. But the angel reminds him, Did I not tell you that thou wert formed against thy will, and thou wouldst be born against thy will, and against thy will thou wouldst die? and against thy will thou wilt have to give account and reckoning of thyself before the Holy One. Blessed be he. End of chapter 2, part 1